The world is more complex than ever. Who can make sense of it? Join Reverend Michael Angley Oguche on NUMA Podcast each week as he shows you how God's Word connects directly to your life in this age and helps you navigate trials and tribulations. If you want to deepen your relationship with God and learn what He has in store for you, listen and subscribe to NUMA Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Just search for NUMA Podcast. Hello and welcome to NUMA Podcast with the Reverend Michelangeli Oguche, bringing your way today the inspired Word of God, and I hope you will be blessed. Thank you for joining this podcast. Our text today is the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you again for this beautiful moment with you. Lord, I commit the message today into your care. I ask, O oh Lord, that you bless the listeners of this podcast and inspire me, God, as I speak as your oracle, Lord. I thank you because, Lord, you're so much interested in your people out there. Thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The title of this podcast is Reigniting Your First Love for God. Reigniting Your First Love for God. Revelation chapter 2 always interests me. There's so much in there for any serious child of God to glean from. And so today we shall base our message on Revelation 2 1 7. When John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, he heard a loud voice saying, Write a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamon, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia. 
and to Laodicea. Our text records John's letter to the church at Ephesus. The speaker, verse number one, described himself as the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. As chapter 1 verse 17 to 18 implies, the speaker is Jesus Christ. He is the one who walks in the midst of the churches. He walks among them like a watchman. He calls them to account, but his main purpose is to encourage and lift them up. And that is what I intend to do with this podcast. To encourage you, my listeners, to be what God wants you to be. However, when I comment on the spiritual condition of the church, I am not looking at the entire body of believers. It is we who are responsible for the spiritual condition of the church and the moral decay of our society as a consequence of our indifference. The intention is not to target a particular strand or brand of Christianity or leadership hierarchy, but I am addressing all of God's people who can discern the time. While my focus today is on the local situations, it is important to note that it is not possible to talk about the church situation in any part of the world in isolation. We must pay attention to the global church. However, I would try to relegate my comment to the church in the West. This is because the West is where postmodernism have made its greatest impact. So, lately I was thinking about the impact of postmodernism in us as Christians, as preachers, and as church in the 21st century. So the question is that, do church people really believe that someone is lost as we used to believe? As we know that Jesus Christ came to seek that which is lost? The reason this question is pertinent to what we're having a conversation about today is because when you look at what postmodernism and even post-truth talk about or stand for, it means that your truth is not my truth. So how can a postmodern Christian look at someone and say, you are lost? The answer will come back to you and say, why did you say I'm lost? At the end of the day, it is your opinion, it's your view. And it doesn't have impact in my life. This is the danger of postmodernism, of the social construct of post-truth. And I would not stop talking about these uh, social mechanics because they impact on the way that we live out our faith, the way we believe in Christ. So like Israel, the church is expected to be the light and salt of its culture in terms of upholding God's standard and advancing God's kingdom. 
that even as Israel did not hold firm to its distinctiveness, but indulged in the perversion of the surrounding nation, so also has the Western Church failed to uphold its moral standard, but has absorbed the principle of a drifting society. I say drifting because, by and large, revered traditional values such as the sanctity of marriage, the family, have been brutally attacked. And that is the kind of society that we live in. And it's very dangerous to the next generation of Christians. And now we hear the liberal left voices even raising questions about gender identity or gender fluidity. Some of the values that the church has absorbed are not unlike those of the merchant in the temple court. Let's take a closer look at what merchandising mentality is in the light of this sermon. I call this merchandising of faith for the sake of propagating the gospel. We now see mega churches with a preoccupation for producing videos, books, and other marketing materials, supposedly to reach out. But could money be the main driver? We offer a pop culture to reach out to the millennials, but we are trading holiness for hype. This is not acceptable for the church that Jesus Christ died for. It is true that there are vibrant mega churches all over the world that raised up fairy evangelists, prayer warriors, and intercessions. Recently, I was in Nigeria, first beginning my journey to Abuja, the capital city, and there is a church of 100,000 sitters each Sunday. And then I moved to the city of Potakot where I was holding an event, and what I saw was that the church, someone else's building, a church of about 150,000 seaters. What came to my mind immediately is that these guys have started competing with themselves. And that is not the reason why Jesus died. Jesus did not die so we can have mega churches all over the place. He died for his people, the people who are lost. What use is it for us when we congregate in our thousands until even the pastor doesn't have any personal contact with the person who comes to that church? I'm not referring more to the mega and aspiring mega churches that in their quest for numbers preach a watered-down message. The only way to attract the crowd is to adopt a seeker-friendly attitude, they say, with no cutting-edge gospel. But listen, God is a God of love and will accept you as you are, they say. But there is no emphasis on holiness and the transformative power of the Word of God. And so we accommodate people and make them comfortable in their lifestyle because the harder scriptures are conveniently left out or re-engineered. This is a sad story of the church. And like the church in our text today, God is not very pleased with what is happening. 
We preach on love, but not committed to it. No boundaries between what is acceptable behavior and what is seen. In fact, seen, as I keep saying in this podcast, have been taken out of the Christian lexicon, which no longer matter anymore to many churches. We have taken the role of Hollywood and all of these things. But my friend, that is not what Jesus Christ died for. He came to to seek those who are are, are lost. The seeker-friendly church preaches the doctrine of prosperity because this is something everybody is seeking without emphasizing work ethics or so. Unless we have these attractions, they say, the people will not come to church, we say. This is NUMA Podcast with the Reverend Michelangeli Oguche. God bless you. Keep listening. Recently, Benny Hinn, an Israeli-American and one of the proponents of prosperity gospel, renounced his practice of merchandising. And he says this, the Holy Ghost is fed up with it, asking people to buy favor from God with specific price tag. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That means this thing called prosperity is actually an addition to what God can give and what God will give if you seek first the kingdom of God by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and also by living out a Christian life, a holy life, acceptable unto God. This is what Jesus died for. Thank God, uh, Mr. Benny Hinn has come to his senses. And he is telling the world how wrong he has been. Our key text today paints a picture of a church. A picture which in many ways shows us why so many negative things are happening in churches. But the text did not just portray the condition of the church, but of individual Christians who have allowed their first love for God to diminish. The Ephesian church understood the fundamental truth of the gospel. They understood their identity in Christ. They understood how to walk with Christ and how to engage in spiritual warfare. It wasn't that they lacked good doctrine or perseverance, even though they existed during one of the most difficult times in all of Christian history, beginning in AD 54, when there was widespread persecution of Christians. The efficient church had refused to compromise. They were busy for the Lord. They stood against heresy. They knew the word of God and what was expected of them. And for these good things, Christ commended them. With God, nothing goes unnoticed. He knows all that we do. The scripture says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9, The eyes of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Hearing, thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have worse. God notices everything we do, whether small or big. But there is a powerful insight to be learned from here. Mere works are not 
enough to please the Lord. He wants more than an outward compliance. What Jesus wants is a heart that is changed. That is why after commending them in verse 2 to 3, he counseled them in verse 4 and 5. Look at verse 4, for example. But I have this against you, that you have lost your first love. They had started out strong, but over time things had begun to change. A generation had come and gone since Paul the Apostle had preached to them. While they had remained faithful to the word of God and had endured hardship, the likes of which most of us could not understand. Something was obviously lacking here. They had lost their passion, the passionate love that had motivated them and burned within their heart had given way to a mechanical Christianity, a ceremonial form of service that lacked enthusiasm and zeal had taken hold of them. This picture, brothers and sisters, may not necessarily represent you or me or our church right now, but we must be alert. We must be on our guard individually and collectively against losing our passion we must guard against becoming what the church at Ephesus had become that is why our text has been recorded in God's word for our learning it is a prophetic word it is a precautionary word doctrine their problem was not that they lacked perseverance when we lose passion for Christ, we replace it with a mechanical form of Christianity that contains all the external paraphernalia but lacks the internal component that once stirred our heart and moved us to love God. When we lose our passion for God, we begin to see the world as our enemy instead of our mission field. This causes us to become more concerned with the comfort of the saints than with the salvation of the lost. In fact, not too many people in this day believe that someone else is lost. But you see, my brother, Jesus come to save that which was lost. And that is what we're talking about. So we erect structures so much so that our meetings become monotonous and inward looking instead of outward. We begin to build castle around ourselves. We begin to build walls that will separate us from the things of God. When we are passionately in love with Jesus Christ, we are sensitive to the grieving of the Holy Spirit. But when we become cold, we lose the sensitivity gossip, pride, jealousy, bitterness, attitude, and a host of other ungodly things are welcome, are allowed to dwell within us because we are insensitive to how much these things displeases God. We become content with what we are instead of being driven to become more like Christ, falling in love with Jesus Christ every day. The passion for becoming more like Christ is diminished as a result. Their passion for Christ was so strong that they were willing to give as much of themselves and their substances to 
Christ in exchange for eternal life. It is a spiritually disastrous thing to do to go through the motion of Christianity without a passionate love for Christ because it distorts what it means to be a Christian. Just like he said to the Ephesian church, Jesus Christ is saying the same thing to you today, to remember where you have fallen and return to your first deeds and the life of which you were called in Christ. But you fail to repent and return to your first love. God said in his word, he will remove the fire of his spirit from your midst. And when this happened, my brothers and sisters, we may still call ourselves Christians and even have our buildings and our church programs attract new people, preach great sermons, but the power of God will be missing. Is this the kind of church you want to be a part, brothers? Is this the kind of church you want to be a part, sister? Think again. As I bring this podcast to a conclusion, the one question I want to leave with you as I go is this. What is God saying to your heart tonight? What is God saying to your heart today? What is God saying to you? I believe God wants us to retrace our steps back to where we are coming from and repent of our shortcomings as this is the only way we can reignite our first love for God that the joy of the Lord will become our strength in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this time spent with you. Thank you, Lord, for as many that has listened to this podcast. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will bring to the understanding of your people this thing called first love, that your people will be able to return back to the first love. And I ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our God our Lord and soon coming King. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the NUMA podcast. This has been the Reverend Michael Angeli Oguche. I pray that God will richly bless you until I come your way again.